Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Big Red Bus as we take the glorious monstrosity out onto the streets of Chicago. I look to my right, and lo and behold, it is the great one, Doug Tonus, the podfather there. How you doing, my brother? Nothing is more glorious than beating the Hornets twice. So, Oh, yeah, beating the Hornets. What a high. Man, thank God for the Hornets, huh? a sub-G League team that often helps make me feel better. Because, man, oh, man, I'd hate to be a Hornets fan. Let's see. Yeah, we barely got that second one, too, so thank goodness. Um, but, yeah, hey, we got, got some wins. You know, the Bulls are hanging in that play-in contention um, spot. We're, we're up to ninth. Uh, pretty good separation between us. I don't know if you've looked at the standings recently, Fred, but there is a five-way tie for fourth place right now. There's like five teams at uh, 21 and 15, um, and we're five games behind them. I mean, that's, that's like a gap that you know, five games in some ways doesn't sound that much, but it, it's a it's a pretty big gap. Like, um, so pretty clear separation. Well, one of those teams are the Pacers. One of those teams are the Pacers, who I think they're going to lose Halliburton for a good two weeks. So that's going to have a negative impact on them. I think they're going to start dropping like a stone. I mean, I, I'm going to stay positive because I think the beloved Bull – can gain some ground here and potentially get into the top eight. I don't think so. Before the All Star break, what say no, you? No chance. All right, <laughs> no chance. Well, don't ruin, don't ruin before, my. Th- well, before hey, we got the, the easy break, schedule out of the whole league. Before in the All Star break, no chance. We're not going to game five games on something Dude, before the All Star break. We got the easiest schedule in the whole league in January. The easiest, number one, the easiest yeah, we schedule. Just, so I, I think we're going to win we a just lot this month. Barely beat the Hornets in overtime yesterday. Like. Yeah, but we beat them soundly yeah, the other okay. day. All I mean, saying, Roger was hitting shot after shot. Five games is a lot to make up in like a month. Like, I was never, I never thought we would lose that game for a minute until the last yeah, ten. I just say we, uh, and then we I would thought, need to win like ninety percent of our games before the All Star break to pass someone by the All Star break. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, like, well, whatever. But I mean, right. the idea maybe that we right. could pass maybe one more team if someone else utterly collapses, sure, it's possible. There's a pretty clean separation now. There's, I mean, there's a huge gap between us and number eight. And then there's kind of like a little tight cluster between nine and 12. You know, the Hawks are currently at 12, a game and a half behind us. Uh, there's five games between us and number eight. And then after the Hawks, there's like, there's a five and a half games before Charlotte. So there's a big gap there. So it's, it's us, Brooklyn, Toronto, and Atlanta playing right now, really for nine through 12. And, um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm feeling pretty good, DT. I think we're going to be in the play. I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to predict it right now. Minimum play. Oh, we'll sure, but it. who cares? I mean, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> probably. Ticket sales. Like, like minimum minimum will be ninth. Okay. I mean, like tenth. Like, great. Minimum, we are like the two-thirds. Where, you know, two-thirds of the uh, East is better than us. Like, that's not... DT, I'm not going to let you uh, knock me off this high after uh, Michigan won <laughs> yesterday, too. Did you listen to the episode two two episodes ago I did with Rob uh, Tate with the predictions for the uh, national? I heard about half of it for college football. I heard football? about half of it, and I was like, I, uh... "Well, I predicted Michigan would win the national title." And so, uh, you know, another uh, note from the Northeast Idaho State Science Department said, uh, "Of congratulations for just another in a long line of correct predictions." Anyhow. As an aside, I want to take a detour. Sure. I'm taking a bus right down this uh, Hallis Drive for a second because I do want to get your thoughts on something outside of the NBA and basketball that's very relevant to our listeners. What are your thoughts on what the Bears should do? Uh, it would, unique position. And those who live 
outside the United States, the Chicago Bears are in this incredibly unique situation that they have the number one overall pick due to the trade last year when they traded out of the number one spot due to their own incompetence. Uh, they were they had the worst record in the NFL, so they had the number one pick. They traded out of that pick last year, and they got the Carolina Panthers pick, number one pick last year and this year. And Carolina sucked, so we got the number one pick again, two years, back-to-back. Incredible. What say you? Oh, it's amazing. Um, I think Poles got a little lucky on that one, but, man, what a what a haul that turned out to be. We're, we're like, what an incredible trade. The number one pick this year is probably more valuable than the number one pick last year. Plus, you got the number nine. Plus, I think, like, no a doubt. second rounder. Plus, like, whatever. It was just an amazing DJ Moore. I mean, like, an amazing, amazing deal. So, uh, you know, it really just comes down to, you know, what what you could get for Fields um, plus uh, the extra cap room you would have with a new quarterback and a rookie deal versus Fields plus what you could get for number one if you want to compare that. Um, but But ultimately, I think we know that in the end, it's just if you get the right quarterback, whatever you did to get the right quarterback is probably the right thing to do. Uh, Fields has shown enough signs where, like, if you didn't have a marquee pick for a quarterback, I think you, you would absolutely stick with Fields. Fields has not shown enough signs for me where I would take him over, you know, a guy that looks like a potential generation. Caleb Williams or, yeah, yeah, yeah Drake like, May. Like, I'm not a right. huge college football guy, but just, you know, reading about it, it seems like the top of this class is, is very highly regarded. And it's not always the case. Even when a quarterback goes number one, they're not always very highly regarded. But Caleb Williams, it seems like he's, you know, that guy. Um, so, you know, whatever. I, I would probably, if I had to choose, I would probably lean towards picking the quarterback and, and gambling there. But it's going to be a tough choice. Uh, the other choice is Eberflus. Seems like some people think maybe he's done enough to come back. I would can him. I mean, like, I think there's 0% chance five years from now you're going like, man, if only we had kept Matt Eberflus, things would have been great. You know, like he's at best, he's just another guy. And at worst, you know, he's, he's a negative. So I'd probably be willing to move on from him, uh, no matter what. And that's, those are the kind of the two big decisions they're facing. But I'd, I would, if push comes to shove, I would take the quarterback in the draft, but I, I totally get why you wouldn't. Like, I don't think this is an easy call one way or the other, but I think there's too much emotionality wrapped up in the fields and not enough really production. And like the the really exciting production Very has all been on the ground, well and I I just don't think that's like a thing you count on, you know, for longevity and you know whatever. Like a lot of those guys get hurt. It, it, defenses adjust to that usually pretty well in the playoffs, especially the elite defenses. Like I just don't think that's a thing you hang your hat on. You need really elite passing, and Fields has shown strides there, but he's pretty far away from, you know, what you'd see out of an elite passer. So push come to shove, I'd I'd take the QB in the draft. It's such a difficult question because I could also – I totally understand the argument too that, you know, I th- when I look at Caleb Williams, I think he's very similar to Fields but with a higher passing ceiling. He's a better passer. I think he's already a better passer now, and anybody wants to debate that, come on. I mean, that I love Fields. He's the best running quarterback I've ever seen. I love him. I think he's a great kid. He's fantastic in the locker room, great example. People love him too. But he's not a great passer. He just isn't yet, especially when you consider that – He's facing a lot of man coverage. There's a lot of times, sometimes, well, obviously zone two since he's a running quarterback. But the point is, a lot of teams are gearing up to stop him. 
you know, throwing a guy on him, and he's still not really been an elite passer. That said, he hasn't had a lot of tools, and he hasn't had a great line either. So. I think he's had a fine line. Man, is it a t- the argument that his line I think sucks? This is, year, I thought they did the a good worst job. Argument ever. There are a bunch of advanced stats that show well, this, the offensive line of the Bears is actually just fine. Not against the Packers. Well, they were. Fine, whatever. They but were like, if you look at the average it. time he has to throw the ball before the pocket collapses, like I think it was like last year. And I haven't looked at the numbers recently, but last year he was like sixth in the league, like the sixth most time in the league yeah. before the pocket collapsed. Like, what are we talking about? Like, what well, else do you want? You want to be the have the best line in the league? You want the most time before the pocket collapses in the league? He hangs onto the ball too long. It takes too long to get through his progressions. Um, that's improved this year, but I, I just want to say, like, the line has not been nearly as bad as people make it out to be. Okay, fair enough. That said, I would prefer that they trade down, but the issue is I want Marvin Harrison Jr. I think he's the best college football player this year. I think he will be a Hall of Famer. He's the, probably the best college receiver I've ever seen. I've watched a lot of, and I've watched a ton of Ohio State games. 14 touchdown receptions last year, 14 t- touchdown receptions this year. The issue is, I don't think he goes past three. I think Arizona will take him. So what what can you do? You know, it's like a, it's a catch-22. You, you, you trade down. You, if you trade down too far, you're not going to get him. you got to hope you can trade um, down to number two. That you can yes, convince. for some assets. Convince, right. like, you know, that, that that team has to trade up with you. And maybe they don't give you a ton, right, to move from two to one. But you convince them they have to trade up with you to get the QB they want, or you're going to trade out to someone else, which is like a really realistic threat, right? It's like really realistic that we're going to trade that number one pick. And so I think you do have some leverage to potentially trade down to two and then, and get Harrison still. But you're right though. There's a salary cap. Like fields is going to make 30 million a year. Like, 25, Jimmy Garoppolo made $25 million last year. Look, if, if you haven't been paying attention to what quarterbacks are making, he's going to make between 30 and $40 million per year with a salary cap. Are you better off taking a rookie quarterback on a rookie contract scale and devoting those resources to other players, really good players potentially, $20, 25000000 million? Or are you better off just taking a rookie? It's such a yeah. difficult question, man, but it's a good problem to have because I think it's a if, win or greater win. Anyhow. I'll, what, I'll, one last thing. If you were – to like some of the quarterbacks that are a little later in the draft, like someone you could get at nine with your own pick, an ideal scenario to me is you trade down from one to two, you know, you play that bluff, you keep fields, take Harrison, draft a quarterback at nine, and then you know you see what happens with fields. If he pans out, he pans out. If he doesn't, if he pans out, then you can trade that quarterback you drafted at nine the next year to get some more assets. And then you're not using like the premium asset of the number one pick to take a guy and create whatever, but like, you know, gives you some optionality. Like the position is like so important that I think it might be okay to have a little bit of optionality and take a QB and keep fields. Um, it doesn't maximize your yeah. assets, which is normally a negative from my mind, but it does maximize to me the outcome of the QB position. And people will say it creates too much of a locker room mess. And I just think like, if Fields is the guy, it's not going to create a mess. Like People say, well, if Fields comes out and plays poorly, people are going to boo. Well, if Fields comes out and plays poorly, then like, what are you doing keeping him? So, you know, like, I just, I think that's yeah. like the scenario where like you hedge your bets on the QB position a little bit, you know, and still keep, cause you're not going to get the number one pick next year, right? Like, you know, if, and if Fields yeah. doesn't pan out, 
I will this say, is like a really bad situation, yeah. and you're probably going to have to pay him over $40 million. Like You should look at like having to pay him top 10 QB money. That's probably what he's going to end up making to keep him, even if he doesn't deserve it yet. Like They're going to say, like, well, he's had this progression, blah, blah, blah. Like, so it's, just, it's, a, it's a tough situation all around. Um, but I, I don't think I would hitch myself to Fields, even though I think that's the emotional choice that is kind of what I see most Bears fans want to do. Is my take on it, but yeah, I agree. Well, I, I I'm fine either way. What I'm not fine with is, is if they hold on to number one pick and they take Jaden Daniels. There's an SEC bias when it comes to evaluating quarterbacks. We saw it last year with Young, and that's part of my issue with like everybody. What a great move by Poles. We passed up on C.J. Stroud. Like I don't care if Carolina made the wrong pick. There was a big debate about what was the right pick. C.J. Stroud silenced every critic when he, what he did to Georgia. In that bowl game. It's insanity that people even are debating this. We passed up on C.J. Stroud. And anyone who would rather have Fields or any quarterback than C.J. Stroud now didn't watch the season in the NFL and didn't watch C.J. Stroud. He's clearly an awesome player. So I'm fine with holding on to the number one pick, but you better not take Jaden Daniels, who's, again, you know, fine, super fast, 6'4", 210. He's too slight. And he's not better than Caleb Williams. Like it's insanity that this is even a debate. He's not better. He's not a better player yeah, than him. I, got, I now so, have more uh, thoughts. You know, I don't let's want to talk Bulls in. instead. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Okay, let's talk Bulls. Yeah, as, as, as everybody's already turned off the pod, I'm sure to get my college football thoughts. But let's go a little bit into. All right, Bulls won two in a row against the Hornets. We got Vooch back. We got Levine back. They've been coming off the bench. I've been really happy. Like with how the team has looked in general, with Drummond just freaking killing it. Um, even last night, Q4 had a fantastic game. He was rim running, two dunks, seven minutes left, and then they went to Vooch, who played great last night. I thought Vooch had a really solid game. You know, I'm almost of the of the mind like I would prefer that Drummond would start and bring Vooch off the bench. I know you can't do you that. Can. I know there's some you, can. you know it's sacrilege Why can't for some that? reason. Why can't, can't you, you do that? What? Well, that because I don't know why they asked the question after the game. The Cowley did the, to Billy, and he's like, "No, we're going to start Vooch." And uh, is it just me, or like, don't you prefer that? I like that a lot better. They have Vooch uh, bum kill the second. Well, string. there's Let's there's say, no one in the world who's more negative about Vooch than me. So, yes, I prefer that. I mean, like, look at this game: Drummond nine for twelve, plus sixteen on on the floor in a game you win by seven, fifteen rebounds, Vooch. Against bench players primarily, and then closing the game in overtime against whoever. 10 of 18 from the field, 21 points. So both 21 points, but Vooch uses six more shots to get them. And eight, and more, eight minutes. more minutes. And negative nine in a game you win by seven. Like they made all their runs against them. Like, and whatever. I, again, I hate using yeah. like single game plus minus. But in, <laughs> yeah, and I don't think, I don't think like the plus minus is like meaningful in this sense. Like, but what I think is like interesting is like, the team was playing really well with Drummond and you still decided to close with Vooch. And then the team made a run against you. And I just am like, like to me, that is like the odd thing. So that is what shows up in the numbers of this game. And I think it just comes down to Billy Donovan just does not like Drummond. Like it doesn't matter that the team may or may not play better with him. It doesn't matter what he does. He wants to run the offense through a center. He needs Vooch's passing for what he wants to do. And you don't have to design an offense that way, but the way he wants the Bulls to play, Vooch is the better fit for what he wants the team to do. And I think he wants the team to do the wrong thing. Like, I don't think we should want 
to run our offense through a center, especially like a very pedestrian center. Um, but, but it just does not seem like we're, we're ever going to really give Drummond a fair shake. And I, I saw your tweet today. I'm going to call out one of your famous tweets. You said like, should the Bulls even trade Drummond at the deadline? And if they're going to continue to use him the way they use him and limit his minutes and like whatever, man, what a great fit for some other team that has real salary constraints, but needs to add a really strong rotation player at that position and is only going to have to pay the guy $3 million. Like when you're deep in the luxury tax and you're looking for things like that, I thought of Torrey Craig being that kind of guy that might have some value, but I think you're right. Like Drummond also would have a lot of value to another team you know, that needs to add someone but doesn't have a lot of salary space to do it. You know, he's gone next year anyway. So I think that's a really intriguing idea for the Bulls, who like clearly don't want to play the guy either. Yeah, and the team I was talking about in that tweet was specifically Oklahoma City, who has a ton of draft assets that the Bulls would want. And if you play it right, they're in dire need of a center with heft and weight. I love every young player, for the most part, outside of Giddy on that team. But, like, you need another big center if you're going to go through Denver. You just have to have that guy who can at least bang with him. And in the East, I think you can argue if you're going to end up playing Philadelphia, I think he's a great answer there, too, like a guy to bring up the bench. I'm not saying start him, but... Why do you think you can't start Drummond? It's like it's like averaging, like, 16 and 15 as a starter. People are like, oh, yeah. you can't start him. Why? No, seriously, like, why? I don't know, like, like Vooch averages, like, 16 on, like, way more shots, and people are like, you can't bench Vooch. Like, Drummond is killing him in the box score. And they're like, well, you need Vooch's offense. Drummond's giving you just as many points on, like, fewer shots. What, what do you think you're getting out of this offense? Like, it's insane, it's insane to me that people, like, routinely say that. Like, you can't start him. You absolutely could start him. You absolutely could start him. Like, he may not be your best starter, but, like, he absolutely could start and is not going to hurt you. In, in fairness, Donovan, uh, I mean, uh, Drummond's offense is coming primarily from attacking the offensive boards in rim. Does that not count? He's not a guy who's going to extend the floor. He's a terrible, he's a terrible free throw shooter. Does Vooch extend the floor? He's not a good passer. More than Drummond. does? Yeah. You saw someone guard Vooch out at the three-point line shooting like 25% out there? (laughs) Give me a break. Drummond extends the floor by keeping a guy like on him. Like, because if you don't, I can't believe you backed me into the back of this bus defending Vucevic. I love Drummond. I mean, I really think he's played really well and I don't understand why he continues to be or why, for the vast majority of the season, and I think you've hit on it, for some reason Donovan just doesn't like him. And I think you've, you've hit on the, the major point is that, you know, they designed this offense with Vooch as the hub. I don't think that's the best way to do it. I understand why, because he's a willing passer, and he's far more willing than, at least until he came back from injury, uh, Levine, and he's far more willing to pass than, than DeMar. But he's not like an elite He's not passer. like a creative he's a, point he's guard. He's a good passer first. He's not like creating stuff out of nothing. I would just say like... Exactly, exactly. It's it's tough to maybe... And I'll, to defend Donovan a little bit. It, I think it's maybe tough like their offense was built this way. It's tough to unbuild it this way and then build it around a rim running center perhaps. And and that's why they want to go back this way. But that's fine. So like my only point is and it's like... But then trade him. Like I think, I think you're right. Oklahoma City, like if I was them and I wanted Drummond... I'd probably be willing to give up like two late first round picks. And I know someone's going to say you would never give up two firsts for Drummond, but I'm talking like they have like 16 firsts and a bunch of them are like super heavily protected. Like they're not going to be in the top 20. Like if I was them, I'd give up like two picks that project to be like 25 for like Andre Drummond. You know, like you have so many like fringe young players, but the Bulls could use fringe young players. 
Like we just need depth. We need like darts that might work out. Like we don't have a lot of that young depth because of other trades we made. And and so it's like they don't actually have enough room to develop those types of like kind of like more fringe talents because they also have so many lottery talents. So I think like a well, we have a lot of young players. We don't have a lot of draft. We don't have a lot of young players. Who are young players? Dalen Terry, okay. Julian Phillips. Those are two. Julian Phillips is a second uh, rounder. You know, Dalen Terry is like a fringe NBA player. Plays like a second rounder. <laughs> and and you got like Kobe White and Pat Williams, but like Kobe's already on a second deal. Pat's going to be on a second deal this summer if he stays here. Like they're young, but they're like, you know, that's like, that's four guys. Like even if you count all those guys, that's four guys. That's not like a lot of like young people like to have in the pipeline. <laughs> like, so I, like we could really use the extra picks, I think. And like, like even if they're not great picks, like, cause you're not going to get a great pick for Drummond. Like I, like I'd no. say two picks no. at 25. You should get two second round. I think like two picks at like 25 are not as good as one at 15. Like as an example, like I don't think you get the 15th pick for Drummond, but I think you could get two picks that project as like late firsts. And I think that would be great. You know, even one late first for Drummond, if we're not going to play him, like that should be a no brainer for Oklahoma. Like what does Oklahoma city need? Well, see Caruso would be a player that could obviously also fit in with Oklahoma city. Like if you want to make a bigger trade, take Caruso and take uh, Drummond and get two fir- late firsts. It will take their first this year, take another first with another team, and then a couple second rounders. Like to me, that trade is worth two for. I don't think realistically, though, we're going to get a first for Drummond. I just don't think the Bulls. I don't think the Bulls could demand that. I think they could easily get one. From Oklahoma, Oklahoma City would. Like I said, it would be a late one. People just use the term first, and like not all firsts are created equally. Like. A first in the top right. 10 is totally different than the first at like 25. You know, it's like you could probably have four or five picks in the mid 20s and you couldn't trade them all for a pick in the top 10. You know, so it's like you can't, you can't, so late first, like in, in like a late first is really like an early second, you know, if you think about it. Like we're, we're talking about an area where the prospect is like 40% chance of being a rotation player someday. Like that's really like a, not, not even a star, not a starter, but like 40% chance of being like just a rotation player. Like that's the kind of, you get two guys, two chances like that. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Um, so like to kind of like put like this upside to it, like is, it sounds crazy because people just like said, they use the term first round pick very interchangeably, but there's a massive swing in gap. So I'm not saying, you know, like Caruso, I think is worth like a, a first round pick that projects into a likely rotation player with like a 50-50 chance of being a starter one day. You know, like that's kind of like where I view his value. And Drummond's worth two guys who are like, you know, 50-50 rotation guys. So I, I think we're both in agreement. We, we both think we, they should trade Drummond just because Billy won't use him. We both agree probably they won't. I think we both agree that they're going to start Vooch because he already said, said so. We both agree that's a mistake, but let's move on because there's no more. There's not a lot of use talking just about. Just patting ourselves. I do want to talk about Kobe White. Just... Yeah, just pat ourselves. <laughs> exactly. Pat my back. I'll pat yours. Now uh, I want to get into Kobe White because Kobe had a a very uh, it was about a three or four game set of games where he suddenly started playing poorly. I could just see our mutual friend in Australia. He was just waiting after that second game. He had the tweet ready, you know, like he's just, just, just itching for him to have another bad game so he could point it out to the world how bad Kobe White is playing. And then we saw it, you know, multiple times. But the great part about it is the last three games. Are you ready for this? You ready for his numbers? Kobe White playing at an all-star level again? 50, 52% from the field. Seven attempts, 
from the seven attempts from the three point line shooting at 54%, getting to the line 4.3 points, uh, 4.3 times per game, shooting 85% from the free throw line, 6.3 assists, 6.7 rebounds, 25 points per game. What say you, DT? Uh, just Kobe White is a guy who's still learning what it means to be a starting caliber slash maybe potential star type player. And so we're seeing these wild swings. And if you get caught up in his play based on his three point shooting percentage, then <laughs> it's going to be a roller coaster ride. And, you know, that guy is playing better. You know, it's, um, but am I convinced like that he's not going to have another down, down spell? No, I don't, I'm sure he could. But yeah, it's great to see him playing better. And I think what you really need to look at is over the course of the season, Kobe White is just much better than he was last year. And he's, he's shown real improvement. And so, yeah, it's not, not always going to be a smooth ride. It was bumpy at the beginning. It, he had a really hot stretch. Some defenses adjusted. It was a little bumpy. He's now, you know, had some good run. You know, but all in all, Kobe's averaging 18 points on the season, near 40% from three on the season. Uh, not like he's hitting a ton of free throws, but 2.8 is like a career high for him. And, you know, first guy to average getting there over more than once a game, other than Zach and uh, DeMar, you know, for the Bulls. You know, assists are up. You know, turnovers are, are very reasonable relative to his usage. So, you know, the grand scheme of things, his numbers in aggregate are are considerably better and are in line with a starting caliber point guard. Agreed. And that, I think you kind of touched on a good point. We focus a lot on his three-point shooting, and rightly so, because he's our best three-point shooter, and without him, we're in deep doo-doo. But what's different about Kobe this year to me is he's always bringing it on both ends of the floor in terms of aggressiveness, in terms of putting pressure on a defense. I think his finishing is greatly improved at the rim. Getting to the line is getting better. And his passing is pretty darn good. So I'm, I'm really excited about the development of Kobe White, and we all should be too, and uh, just ignore some of the, the, the negative yeah. tweets from across he, the sea. He looks like a starting – he's definitely a starting caliber point guard, right? Like at this point, he's uh, no you know, he's a starting caliber point no guard. No freaking – He's on a bench level, rotation level contract. So that's a you know great, great pay rate he's at. He's going to make a ton more money when he's a free agent in two more years. And, you know, all in all, he's had a fantastic season. And, you know, like, and that was with a really bad start. But his aggregate numbers are still very strong after a very poor start. So, you know, that it's all, all signs are pointing upwards, you know, from the general trend line, too. So, yeah, you should be happy with Kobe White. On the other side of the spectrum, let's get into... Patrick Williams, who had a really nice stretch of games there. But the last three, 20 minutes per game, he's been hurt in his defense. 29% from the field, 50% from three on two attempts per game. 1.3 free throws, 75% from the line, 0.7 assists, 3.3 rebounds, and only 5.3 points per game. Are you concerned about him, again, returning to where he was to start the season now that a lot of these guys are healthy again? I think with Pat, to me... It mainly still just comes down to, can you shoot the three consistently? You know, we, we talked a little bit in a stretch where he was playing a, a little bit better. And I said, I think people are overrating what he's doing on offense. It's mostly that he's just shooting the ball better. But like his actual shot attempts per game, like it's not like he's absorbing like all this volume because Zach is out. You know, it's like 18 attempts per game are up and he's averaging like three more. 
Um, so I, I don't think he, he's really showing it, like, has ever really shown more of this dribble creation off the ball stuff. It's hard to say like how the injury is impacting him. You know, the game against the Knicks was just absolutely brutal. You don't know how much the ankle is bothering him. You know, should he have even played in that game against the Knicks is like a really big question mark, given that he, he you know, sat out the first Hornets game afterwards. Didn't look great coming back against the Hornets. Again, I don't, I don't think I want to look at like the overall, like, hey, here's what happened in three games. Let's make a judgment on him. I think collectively you can look at what he's done over the season and you can say his three-point percentage is now back in line with where it, it's been historically. He's back over 40% from the, the, for the season after a really poor start. His overall volume of attempts is not meaningful. We've not seen a big change in rebounding, but again, he plays with super elite rebounders. You know, it, all in all, I think he, he's shown like some improvements, but I don't like, I, I, like I said, I think high floor, low ceiling. I, I, I still kind of just feel that way about him. Like, I don't think there's a chance that I'm going to look back at Pat Williams later and go like, there was like the second piece on a championship team and probably never even the third piece on a championship team. I could squint hard and see how he could get to the third piece. You know, if he's just an elite defender and an, an elite shooter, but you know, mm-hmm. it's, but I think probably not. Like he doesn't, can't get the volume of attempts up. So I, I think probably not, but he's young enough, maybe, you know, so I, I just think it's like, yeah, he's, he's going to be probably pretty expensive to keep because he's athletic and defend a lot of places and shoot the three. Those are all incredibly valuable things. They'll be valuable to us. They'll be valuable to someone else. Um, iterative and continued growth. But, you know, I don't, I don't see the star thing ever happening in it. And that's okay. Not everyone's a star. You know, he'll be a starter, I think, in the league. I agree. He's a rotation player. I don't think he's a star. But, you know, ha- having that ability to hit the three is very valuable and to be a defender. He's a, he's, he's, I can see the ceiling as a three and D player. Bravo. And, and that's a lot higher ceiling than I expected, frankly, after watching him in his first couple seasons. Speaking of high ceilings, Dalen Terry, I don't know if you caught the other day. <laughs> he had a game where he shot 50% from the field and the internet broke. Uh, I have never seen more celebrating, more grandstanding from D- Dalen Terry fans about, you know, a, a really uh, good NBA performance. But here we are. Has this incredible set of games from Dalen. Change your opinion on his ceiling, and are you excited about the growth that we're witnessing from this uh, 22-year-old young player? Hey, I'm happy that Dalen Terry looks a little bit better in that where he had one game where he scored uh, eight points. That was uh, really great to see. Um, <laughs> are you being sarcastic? I mean, like, I'm not going to tolerate but like eight it. points this year. Like, I, I think there's... He he looked like an NBA player in recent minutes. That's what I'll say. Mm-hmm. Like he looked like like before. I'm like I don't even know how this guy could even last in the league. And you know, for now a couple brief stretches, he looked like he could be Shaq Harrison or Javante Green or something <laughs> like that. You called him a poor man's yeah, Javante. He, yeah, he could be, which is he, exactly what he he's, could be. He's, poor man's Javante Green. Like he could be a vet minimum. Like may, I can now see how he could be a vet minimum defensive hustle guy at the end of someone's bench, uh, which is better than where he or I thought he was like Marco. And I'm like, this guy just could never have any chance at being in the league, which is my take on Marco Simonovic. So 
he has moved from like no chance to ever to be in the league to like, yeah, maybe he could be a vet min guy someday. Um, and whatever, that's, that's some growth, oh, right? Man. Like that's that's harsh. But yeah, well, I, when I hear people, the Dale and Terry lovers talk about him. Yeah, he's he's a good passer. Like I think he is a decent passer, and he's got good vision, and he plays hard, which I love. But you know, I've just seen too many air ball threes with no one within five feet of him to say like feel good about it because that's a terrible sign. I saw air ball threes in before games when I went to the UC and watched him shoot a corner three air ball by about four feet, and I'm just like, gosh, you can't shoot that bad as a perimeter player. You can get away with it if you're a center. If you're Andre Drummond, sure, sure, yeah, yeah, that's your job, protect the rim and rebound. But as a six-seven wing, gosh almighty, you got to get better at hitting the three. It's just that's where the game's at today. I'm sorry, it's not my call. It's where the game's developed to. Like we're celebrating his last seven games. You ready? Hold on to your seat here, DT. His numbers in the last seven games, okay? Fourteen minutes of game, he's getting a lot more minutes. Shooting forty-two point nine percent from the field, twenty-seven point three from three, which is massive. He hasn't missed a free throw. He's got 2.1 rebounds, 2 assists, 0.4 steals, 0.6 blocks. It's averaging 3.9 points. I mean, it's all great. It's way better than where he was, was at. But big picture, this is like, you know, Denzel Valentine showed a lot more. No doubt. You know, he, he scored 34 against uh, on, on St. Patrick's Day in, in 2017, I believe it was, at about 7.30 in the evening um, <laughs> against the best team in the Eastern Conference. So, like, come on! Everybody shows signs. Like, I yeah, I, I don't even know how we got on it, this topic. I, got, I don't know that I there's any Dale and Terry fans out there, really. I mean, there's there, some. There, there I are. think I don't want to call them out. They know. I think are. what it is is there is people who are trying to squint real hard and pretend that our general manager isn't a complete moron, and so they're trying to pump up like any move he makes. That's the only way I can really reconcile why people like say nice things about Vooch or Dalen or like a lot of these guys. It's like they want to believe that a front office just isn't hopeless and that there's like something behind some of this stuff and that we're – because there just isn't anything like – yeah, it's fine. Like he, like I said, for you go go look at everyone in the draft picked around Dalen Terry. You know, it's like every single player w- w- like near him is like – you'd be like, oh, man, I wish we had that guy instead. Yeah. All right, DT. Hey, man, to wrap this up, I want to give a really quick the ring honors this week. I think it's going to be super cool. Looking forward to it. Give me three players on your personal ring of honor. Go. Oh, uh, for the Chicago Bulls or just like anywhere? Yeah, Chicago Bulls. There's going to be plenty of press on the ring of yeah, honor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, about my personal ring. But really quick, give me your, yeah, your ring of honor. Three player. When I say ring of honor, the three players that meant the most to you over the years. Outside, we got to take Michael out because – that's obviously number one on my heart. Maybe not yours, but on mine. And he's the legend. But anybody outside of that, who's your ring of honor? I'm gonna guys? I'm gonna do uh, Joakim Noah as uh, number one for me. And then uh, after that, like if I I'm, I want to exclude guys actually in the ring of honor, you know, just to, like because I think like a lot of those guys are just super famous. So Joakim Noah uh, is probably number one to me. After that, it, it's kind of tough. Like it's like, man, that one Nate Robinson season was just like so amazing. But you can't you can't pick him for one year, even though those like such great memories. I want the two thousand four five team. Like they had, like they're going to elect a team. That's my team. My team entry is the two thousand four five Bulls that brought them back to the playoffs. One of my favorite seasons of all time. You know, and I I kind of feel like it, Derek Rose. You'd have to throw in there. Um, I think that's like a like an obvious one as well. And then 
you know, I'll, I'll get throw Ben Gordon in there, uh, which will maybe upset some of the Kirk Heimrich fans, you know, if, uh, because even though it didn't last super long and there was like a lot of drama there, like Ben Gordon just delivered so many great moments, game winners, big comebacks, um, you know, just really, really exciting, exciting player. So not necessarily the best players and not guys that I think would necessarily, I mean, Noah for sure, but like in Rose for sure. Gordon, maybe not one of the best players, not a guy that has uh, good ties with the organization and really tragic, all the stuff that happened with him after he retired and his mental health problems. But, you know, for guys that really delivered to me just in an immense amount of joy as a Bulls fan post-Jordan era, um, maybe those three guys, I think, you know, really have delivered a lot of joy post, uh, post-Jordan era. I got Ben Gordon on my list, too. I mean, he's the main reason I got into podcasting. I heard a lot of critiques about a guy who was getting double-teamed, Garner double-teams 33 feet out from the rim. He was ahead of his time, shot over 40% from three every year he's with the Chicago Bulls. Just an awesome freaking offensive player. I love the kid. I thought he was great and unfortunate where you know, some of his uh, failings have happened at, in post in uh, some of his battles after that. But, um, you know, he's in him and his family are in our thoughts and prayers. I definitely put Tony Kukoc in there. I, the players I like are the guys that really perform when the pressure was on, uh, when it mattered most. I thought he was an awesome clutch offensive performer, and I, I think Gasol. I, I think Gasol is probably one of the most underrated bulls we've had. I thought he was incredible in this fourteen fifteen year. Chose to sign here. Chose to sign here for less money. Absolutely love Paul Gasol. So definitely. I'd say those three immediately come to mind. Horace Grant. You know, there's a lot of players that are I, I'd have in that list. Yeah. Um, I was actually a Gene Banks fan, too. Horace Grant is another guy who wasn't in the Bulls' ring of honor, probably because of whatever, a lot of issues after he left the Bulls. But, um, you know, very deserving for when he played. So when I, when I started my initial rules, because I think Kukoc was in the official ring, so I didn't want to pick him. Um Ignoring the guys in the official ring, Grant, I, I'd forgotten he was left out. Yeah, he would be a great choice. But going post dynasty, I'd, I'd still stick with the uh, the three I mentioned. Who's in your ring on the current team? Um, I don't know if anyone really. You know, like Demar is I the best you. player, um, but you know, two years and one playoff win, like I, probably three years and one playoff win when this year's over. Like, I don't know. Now, who's your favorite player on the Bulls right now? I don't know. I got a guy that will be in. It's Kobe White. Kobe White. Kobe White is such a good dude. He's such an enjoyable guy. So full of life. I like Kobe He's White great a lot. To but, watch. I enjoy watching. But I mean, like, other than Kobe the White's last, it there. just feels captured in the moment of like the last month and a half. Like, like what yeah, I have said over the first four years of Kobe's career. Like, oh man, I love watching Kobe White. Like, no, I mean, <laughs> it's just that's like, yeah, the last couple of months, sure, but like. If I'm only going to use a two-month sample size, I mean, you could find two months of Zach Levine where I'd say, you know, like dramatically better than anything Kobe did. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know that anyone on the current team has has both like the longevity and the excitement for me. All right, DT, let's bring this bus in. I got a lot going on. Um, thanks for jumping on and talking Bulls with me and Bears and Big Ten college football. Uh, always great to talk to you, DT. You're you're a prince among men. And uh, looking forward to riding the bus with you again next week. Let's go, Bulls. Let's hope we, we tear it up this week and we have more, more bright moments like we have had after these two incredible wins uh, over the Charlotte Hornets led by Kobe White, Andre Drummond, and Dale and Terry. <laughs> All right, buddy. <laughs> go, Bulls.
Go Bulls. <laughs> Take it easy, my man. <laughs>